0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Wow, so good. We're having so much fun and uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord together, and I trust that you guys at home are also experiencing the same thing. So, yeah, Uh, I I loved what Steve said earlier about the elephants in the trees, you know, you know, there was this guy who went to, uh, he was in the army and it was, uh, you know, was the day for, for camouflage classes. And at the end of the day, the sergeant called him and he said, Private Smith, I didn't see you at camouflage today. He said, thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Sometimes you, you don't want to be seen, yeah? All right, so good. Well, you know, the Lord is just doing... Wonderful things in our nation, and this weekend is a very, very um, important weekend for what's going on in the country, what's going on in the nation, and uh, I'm just so grateful for the prayers that have already gone up. Let's keep praying. You know, Things are, uh, are, are very uh, finely balanced, if I can put it like that, between um, you know, righteousness and unrighteousness, between integrity or lack thereof. And, uh, and so, you know, this is a time for us to, to hang in there with, uh, with our prayers. Yeah. So, so good. So, yeah. Uh, You know, the Lord is calling us to change our mindsets from one of being in a place of lack, from being in a place of uh, victimhood, victim mentality, and recognizing and understanding that he's called us to live on the front foot. Just a half an amen is all I need, you know, (laughs) which is an A. All right. So, you know, the thing is that COVID has, has caused us, has conditioned us to become isolated and to retreat. And it's time for us as the body of Christ internally to rise up. To actually have that mindset of actually, I'm on the advance, the kingdom is advancing, I am part of an advancing kingdom. So, my mindset is not, you know, I just have to accept everything that's given to me, but in actual fact, can rise up. And it's not just about external actions, primarily, it starts on the inside, it's our attitude. And, and so I want to encourage us, you know, that this is a great time for us as we're praying for the nation, not to be praying from the back foot, praying from a place of, oh, you know, my prayers can't do anything. There's nothing, you know, that I can do to change anything. No, our prayers are really, really super powerful. And, and as we have that attitude, that understanding that in actual fact, I am ch- changing things, my prayers are coming from an attitude, my prayers are coming from a mindset. My prayers are coming from a belief system. Because your attitude flows from your belief system. So if you believe that the devil is winning, you are going to be in a negative place in your mind and in your understanding. And you're going to be praying from a defeatist mentality, which means the words that are coming out of your mouth are going to be super, you know, half-hearted. Instead of superheated. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try the people on this side of the studio. Okay, I'm just messing with you guys. But you understand, this is, it it flows from the inside. It's what we believe. It's our attitudes flow from our belief system. And if you believe that the enemy is winning, then, you know, well, just give up. Then, sure, let's find a little cave. Let's get some, you know, tinned food and some you know bottled water and get our candles you know and Jesus come back and get us now and there's a whole theory around the end times that's based on that kind of a mindset oh my goodness I am throwing rocks this morning yay all right so we as believers need to be on the front foot we need to have a mindset and understanding that in actual fact that Jesus is the victorious one Yeah, so my intention this morning is to preach to you the Bible from beginning to end. Yeah, we've got a long weekend coming up, so I just thought I'd, you know, just get it going now. Yeah, I'm going to preach you the whole Bible, literally Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. This morning, are you ready? Okay, before I can go there, we first need to do a recap. You know, because we we need context, right? What would a good message be without some kind of context? All right. So there were three amens. I'll take that as, uh, as acceptance. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Gosh, no wonder he was in the wilderness. His messages were so long. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god. Okay, we know this. Says 40, Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. We've we've been in these verses for weeks now. And the Lord is wanting us to be those people who raise up their voices who are on the front foot who are not Uh, you know hiding away in in uh, a, a defeatist victimhood kind of mentality right and so we are the kind of people who are crying out in the wilderness and it starts from an internal cry and it comes from a place of knowing that he is the one who brings the mountains down and he is the one who causes the valleys to be raised up guys I can start the series again (laughs) okay the Lord is speaking to us not just in terms of what we're going through right now but he's speaking to us in terms of what we're facing in the future what we are facing in the future are mountains coming down what we are facing in the future is valleys being filled up that's the future I'm looking to Where we actually see the kingdom of God prevailing, not because I'd like it to be so. It's because God himself said it will be so. So I'm going to preach myself happy this morning and you're welcome to come along for the ride. Yeah, because those mountains are coming down just like the giants are coming down. You've got an extra four stones in your pocket because those those giants are coming down those mountains will be removed. The mountains of opposition to the plans and purposes of God, the advance of His kingdom, those mountains are going to be removed and those valleys are going to be filled up. And we saw from Joel chapter 3, verse 18 last time, we were looking at the whole thing of the valley of Acacias. Acacias thrive and they grow in dry and wilderness places. And so in that dry, desolate wilderness place, these acacias that are there, the valley that is there, the word of the Lord is that from His house, from the place of His presence, a fountain will spring up and water will flow towards this valley, even to the Jordan Valley, and will begin to actually flow right into the Dead Sea. And so we saw saw the link between Joel chapter 3 verse 18 and Ezekiel chapter 47. And Ezekiel was one of those boys prophesying in the greatest lockdown that the world has seen. They went into exile for 70 years. Ezekiel was prophesying into that. So we can identify we've only had one year. Are you guys alive? Are you okay? All right. So much of the Bible comes out of a context where there was lockdown, where there was difficulty, where there was hardship. And the Lord speaks a message to us. We are comforted by the Holy Spirit. And he brings to us the same words that gave life to the people who were ahead of us on the journey. It was strong words of promise, of victory. That he was going to carry them through and these prophetic promises were so strong they still carry us today. So in Ezekiel chapter 47 we see that uh, he went back to the entrance of the temple, water was coming out from under the threshold. This is in verse 1 of Ezekiel 47, uh, water was coming down from under the south side, then in verse 2, there was a water, was a trickle, okay, so it started out uh, seeming to be fairly small, okay, verse 3, then we get the whole thing of the cubits, a cubit is about 450 meters, and so it was, you know, ankle, then knee deep, then waist deep, then a river to swim in, right, And we see in verse 6b, the second half of verse 6, He led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7, And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Verse 8, This water flows and it goes down to the Jordan Valley, enters the Dead Sea, and the salty waters there become fresh. Hallelujah. Verse 9, Then there were swarms. Can you say swarms? Swarms. Meaning a lot. Okay, a lot. Of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish. Can you say large numbers? numbers. Okay, we're not talking about a small thing. God is doing a big thing. And a place where there was nothing, where there was barrenness. God prophesies and he says, swarms and large numbers. God is not a puny God. He is a big God. And what he does is big. I mean, look at you. You were a mess and he did a big thing to get you rescued. Hallelujah. Some of you kind of like, oh, well, it wasn't that big, you know, it wasn't that much. <laughs> no, no, you were a mess. Okay. <laughs> All right. Large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Can you say everything? Everything. Come on. This is what God's presence does. The river comes from His presence as an extension, if you like, from His presence. It's prophesying, and I'm going to link some other scriptures, because you say, well, how can you say that the river is of His presence? Well, we'll get there in a while. But we can see that the theme of scripture is that it comes from God Himself, from His presence. And as it flows, it gives life to everything. Yay! Yay! I had a fun time at healing rooms this last Wednesday. Just noting that where Jesus went and he healed every disease, everything and everyone who was sick and oppressed and diseased, they all got well. one, everything will live. It's those who come to him, obviously. People reject him. Hey, it's on them. God reaches out in love. He doesn't force people. Come on, if God was in control, he would be forcing everyone to love him. But he gave us free will that we would choose to love him out of our will. So people, likewise, it makes no sense, but people can choose to rebel. And they do. It's it's a mystery. But God does not control people and force them to love him. But for those who want to, who reach out, receive, drink from the river, life. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Come on. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month. They will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. All right. Now, I know that we covered that to some degree last week. But I wanted to give us some context because we're going to look at Genesis and Revelation. And we're going to see that Ezekiel, in the middle of massive lockdown, shutdown, everything is like not normal. Come on, everything was not normal. They were carried off into Babylon. And they were crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you restore us back to normal? It was a cry, a heart's cry for restoration. Yay. They were aligning with the long cry of human history for restoration. Ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, there's been the long cry for restoration. And Ezekiel joins with this long cry. And the people of God are crying out, Lord, would you restore? And here comes the promise of restoration that's coming to God's people. What was lost in Eden in Genesis chapter 1 will be restored finally and fully in Revelation chapter 22. Are you ready? <laughs> you, come on. It's amazing. Now, when you look at the book of Genesis chapter 1, in fact chapters 1, 2 and 3, you're going to notice some interesting stuff. There are some c- circling back In the writing, they're circling back in terms of the account of Revelation. It's not a chronological explanation, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. There's some stuff where the writer circles back, and the writer we know is Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He had a lot of time when he was in an extended lockdown. He had 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years in the desert, and he had times of great encounters with God in the desert but he wrote the first five books called the Pentateuch right so Moses is writing and he's recording here and and he's coming back and he passes through Genesis a few times okay So he starts off the account in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and then he goes back and he starts again in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4 and he goes and explains it from another angle and then again in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 there's a second pass at the creation story of man and Adam and Eve and then again we see another pass in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20 when Adam names Eve. Can you see that there are a couple of passes that comes around and comes around again? Listen, he didn't live with Eve for an extended period of time without calling her Eve. Uh, I don't know what your name is, but thanks for the apple. Yeah? No. She gets her name. Can you see that there's some passes? He's coming back and he's passing again. Folks, this is really interesting because this is part of the Hebraic way of understanding life and of of writing in their literature. Same thing in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it's not a chronological outline of end time events. I'm going to be coming in the next few weeks and few months, and we're going to dig into these things a little bit deeper Because there's so much misunderstanding. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. In the book it says this is the revelation of Jesus. It doesn't say this is the revelation of the end times. It's the revelation of Jesus. And in the revelation of Jesus, there's this most amazing pattern of circling around. Of circling again and coming back from this angle and this angle and another angle. It's a bit like a diamond. There's so many different ways in which you can look at the diamond. There are different facets and you're seeing different things from the different angles. And so you get seven churches. And there's a message to seven churches. And you get seven trumpets. And then you get seven seals. And it comes back in seven bowls. And then there's seven visions. And then there's seven triumphs. Sevens and sevens and sevens and sevens. It's coming back and then let's look at it from this angle. And let's come back from that angle. When you try to put it all in chronological sequence, you come up with some really crazy theories. It's not theology, it's theory. So So, just like in the book of Genesis, looked at it from this angle and that angle in Revelation or looked at this angle and that angle comes around and let's come back here again. Okay, let's start back over here again. Otherwise you've got a problem when Jesus was born. And who was the seed of the woman? Okay? It cannot be chronological time sequence. Okay. But that's just a warning of what I will get to at some point. But in, in the beginning, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and the birds and God saw that it was good. This sounds a little bit like, man... There were swarms in Ezekiel chapter 47. Yeah, the water is teeming with life, right? Genesis 1, 27 and verse 28. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we see that Adam and Eve, mankind has been given a mandate. And so there's a, there's a job to be done. But we see that God puts them in Eden. And he blesses them in Eden. And he gives to them something to do in Eden. Are we together? All right. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. This sounds a little bit like Joel chapter 3 and verse 18. That a fountain comes up from the temple. In a moment I'm going to share something with you. Genesis 2 verse 8. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A water, sorry, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. You see, Eden carries with it a picture, if you like. A type of a temple. The Garden of Eden was the place where man and God had fellowship, had communion. And God came to the garden as God came to the temple and the tabernacle. As God, the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost came to the living stones that were formed. To be the temple of the Holy Spirit. God comes, and God came to the garden as the, the picture of a temple, a place of worship. And in this place of worship, there are, as in most temples, there were images of the deity, and God puts the image of himself in the garden, Adam. It's a living image. It's not like the images that are are made out of stone and wood. But these are living images. And God comes and He dwells and He He walks with them. and um, Just this most amazing time of, of, of fellowship and worship that's going on. Yay. So we see something of a type of God being with His people. That was obviously lost in the fall. So many pictures and because you know, I'm not going to do the everlasting gospel in one go. Hallelujah. But we saw some prototypes in terms of the tabernacle and then the temple in terms of what God was prophesying. What Jesus would come and do when he walked on the earth. We're looking forward to this next weekend where we celebrate again his death, burial and resurrection. Hallelujah. And we're going to celebrate, we're going to do it with communion. Yay. His new covenant, he wiped away the old and he brought in the new. And we're going to do it with Christian symbols, the bread and the wine. We are not going to do it with pagan symbols of chocolate eggs. Ustra eggs. Babylonian pagan worship, we're not going to do that. We're not going to use the bun of Tammuz with the letter T on top of a raisin bun. We're not going to use pagan worship symbols to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to use Christian symbols. Take that one out the park. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. For far too long, the church has excused all this stuff. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It does matter. What is salt and, and light? Can it both come out of a, a one same spring? Fresh water, salt water, James said. It's kind of like, no, it must be pure. The whole thing about holiness is to be separated from, to be different from sin. Don't get entangled in these things again. preaching some kind of fundamental whatever. But we need, when we know, oh my goodness, that stuff is tainted. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good hot cross bun. But for goodness sake, don't serve it on, on Resurrection Sunday. Don't confuse your children. Don't do an Easter egg hunt. Chocolate, lovely. Any shape, lovely. Whether it's in the shape of a bunny or a rooster or whatever it is, you know, don't worry about the shape of it, but for goodness sake, eat it at a different time of the year. Don't eat it over the time when we're remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. Because you confuse yourself and you confuse your children. Another little tip for you you get more than a 50% discount the day after it's all over. Had a great time. You know, we, we, we make these declarations about, you know, expenses to decrease. It's wonderful. Lisa and I had great chocolate in early January. Something, you know, there was a guy in, fat guy in a red suit It made chocolate. Yeah, we loved it. don't know why they like to give everybody those chocolates at discounted price in January, but that's when we get them. You know, we're praying, God of revival, and yet we we fiddle with these other things and we excuse it away. He's holy, man. All right. Time is up and I'm only just warming up. Eden, a picture, if you like, of God being with His people, a place of communing, of fellowship, God with us, Emmanuel. Lost because of the fall, God says, don't worry, out of the seed of woman, one will arise that will crush the head of the serpent. God gives that prophetic word in chapter 3, when John the baptizer comes along, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, the one who was slain from before the beginning or the foundation of of the world. In other words, God's plan, God had a plan long before Eden. God's never taken by surprise. We turn to the back of the book and we see Revelation echoes the same themes of Eden. And the same themes that Ezekiel was speaking about. The same thing that Joel, another guy who was prophesying during lockdown times. And he's saying, in that day, in that day of restoration, this is what I'm going to do. The cry of restoration rings throughout the ages. God restore, God would you restore, would you redeem us, would you hit the reset button? Listen, there may be reset buttons going on, the nations may be raging. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including nations. Some will rise and some will fall. And it doesn't matter, it actually doesn't matter. In the end, God wins. Don't get filled with fear about who the next world player is going to be. The world players are as nothing before God. What we need to do is live right, righteous lives for God. Doesn't matter who's in government. You got a good government? Great, live for God. You got a bad government? Great, live for God. What do you have to do? Live for God. Our ability to live for God is not based on circumstances. Our ability to live for God is based on His truth. Who He is. And who He is in us. Otherwise, we've got to say to the believers in in closed countries, sorry guys, the gospel doesn't apply for you. Come on, think about it now. You think they're looking for an antichrist and a beast? Goodness, they've long since been under the spirit of Antichrist. They're losing their lives because of it. They're not trying to search through the scriptures. I wonder who the Antichrist may be. They're losing their lives right now. More martyrs now in these decades than in the first 1900 years of the church combined. This is what's happening. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something else? The church is advancing. Don't believe what the media tells you. This one I'm throwing in for free. Sorry, I'm buying an extra 10 minutes on the message this morning. The church is not shrinking. The church is shifting. Okay, and this is what people are missing. Because it is apparently less vibrant and active in what was the north northern hemisphere and the western side of the globe and they got a lot of media attention and because a lot of our media comes out of that area the church appears to be losing its fire and losing its impact and influence and size but on the globe the church in the southern hemisphere is rising It's gone from the west to the rest. And the church in South America is exploding. And the church in Africa is exploding in a good way. There have been some explosions in a bad way in the church in the last little while. And a lot of it has been up north and a little bit west. It's terrible, horrible. We also know that we've had some shenanigans here in our own country where there have been some false prophets we have tried to shepherd a few people. <laughs> now the Lord's going to weed those nonsense things out. Yeah. Remember, he said there would be the wheat and the tares growing together. He says there will some will rise up and try and, you know, deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Yeah. We never try told to run after human a man who's a human we run after the man Jesus all right revelation 21 from verse 1 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride fully dressed for her husband pause there, where is this where is the no more tear no more dying, where is this geographically where is this no, 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 it's not up there somewhere come on read the bible I saw the new Jerusalem come down, where is down where, on to where on earth Where's there going to be no more mourning and no more death and no more crying and no more tears? Where God says, I will be there. Oh, now I'm messing with some of your theology. Yeah, we haven't spent enough time Ensuring that we're accurate in our understanding and our belief system. And some of it is we've got it from sentimental songs and not from the Bible. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Hello. I'm making everything well. I'm making everything new. Can you see the links? All right. Then he said, write write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Could have said the Genesis and the Revelation. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Yeah, we got the water of life flowing again. Revelation 21 and verse 22. I did not see the temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Hello. Eden, there wasn't a building, there wasn't a structure. Eden itself was the place of the temple of God being with man. That in the beginning there was no building, and in the end there's no building. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. We don't necessarily have to build a third temple. Oh, lost a few people there. All right, Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. Hello, Joel 3.18, Ezekiel 47. Hello, Eden. Can you see that there's a link here? flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Doesn't sound familiar language. Oh, Yeah, we've just been looking at this. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Oh my goodness. This was prophesied by Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was talking partly about the restoration that were coming out of lockdown, but ultimately he's talking about this final restoration of all things. So the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and these servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be Marked on their foreheads. One of these days we'll talk about those who have a different mark on their foreheads. But don't worry. You've already got a mark. It's the mark of God. You stamped. You sealed. He's got you. You're his own. He said... That's mine. Stamp of approval. Why would anyone fear an inferior mark? Why is there so much hype about an inferior mark? About somebody just going blown away? You've got a mark—the mark of God on your forehead. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take of the free gift of the water of life. Come on, echoes here of Isaiah 55. Come to the waters, anyone who's thirsty. As we bring this to a close, can you remember Jesus standing up the feast of tabernacles? Get it? tabernacle dwell he stands up at the feast of "I, I will dwell with you and he says if anyone is thirsty come to me and drink and then out of you will flow rivers of living water oh my goodness this river that Ezekiel was prophesying about, this river that Joel was talking about, this river that flows to the valley of acacias, the dried, barren places. This is living water. And if you are thirsty, you can come and you can drink. And Isaiah 55 says you don't have to have money for this thing, you just come and you receive. And we participating, we partaking in the same flow of life. That was there at the beginning in Eden, paradise, and it's going to be with us when the new heaven and the new earth has been revealed. And we're in the city of God. David saw this. He says, Oh my goodness. How glad. Rejoice. There is a river who makes glad. The city of our God. Who is the city? I'm glad you asked. Because Revelation 21 says, and I saw the bride, I saw the city. We are the bride, we are the city. We are made glad by the river of God. Come on, won't you stand with me? There's a flow of living water. You know, the thing about the Bible, it keeps speaking about things, not just only finally at the very end. But also we begin to see glimpses of this taking place. We begin to see tastes of restoration taking place. There's a taste of it when they come out of exile and they come out of Babylon And they experience something of the Lord restoring as they return. But we're going to see again. We're going to see again a whole restoration. A restoration taking place as the Lord begins to sweep us into what He's doing in these days in this time. Come on, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord that you are doing good things. Thank you, Lord, that you're working powerfully. You're giving us insight into all the the nuances of what you are doing. You are restoring. You are redeeming. There's a river that flows. And as we, we reach out to you, as we come, we're thirsty for more of you. You said, come, come to the waters and drink that you might be redeemed, you might be refreshed, you might be renewed. There would be a restoration that would take place in your life. And the restoration is now and it is also again finally at the end. There's gonna be a complete restoration. But right now, reach out and receive from Him. Say, Lord, let your living waters flow. Come, Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord. Lord, I need a restoration. I need that promise not to be something only out there in the future, but I need for that to be for me today in my life now in these circumstances that you turn this valley of dryness around. And you cause holy, living waters to flow. Let it bubble from your presence, from your temple. Let it come from you. And much like those rivers sustain the whole garden of Eden and the river at the, in Revelation 22, is going to uh, revive and, and, um, and, and give life to the entire city, to the beloved of God. And it is flowing from your very presence. Lord, let that living water flow to me now. We just, we ask, Lord, that you would cause life, life, life to flow to us. Those dry places where we've had dry faith, where we haven't had faith, we've been so contaminated. By what everybody else says is going on, we've been filled with fear and panic because people have said there's a reset. And people have been looking at what's going on in the lands, in the nations, and they've been figuring out what's going on in the second heavens. But you, O Lord, you're in the third heavens, the highest heavens, and you sit in the highest heavens and you laugh. You laugh at the nations. Those who plot and those who plan. No one, nothing can stand up to your might and your splendor. Your victory is assured. And you cause us to be made ready to be the city of our God. Oh, that we will be with you forever. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands to Him. Come Holy Spirit. Come and move again. Come and move again. We can already begin to feel the first fruits. We can already begin to feel the first drops of rain. There's a refreshing rain that's coming. You're causing in the valley of Baca, the place where there was was dryness and complaining and difficulty and hardship and You caused pools of blessing to form and then the rains from above, the heavenly rains begin to fall. Let it be, Holy Spirit, come. Come and flood us. Come and fill Your people. Come and fill us again. Come and flood this nation again. We cry out to You, Lord. We cry out to You, Lord. Let there be an outpouring of the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come on, let's lift our voices to him.